0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Last week was a bit more of a flowy kind of morning and maybe you thought it's going to go in that direction again today. Uh, because of the way we've just been starting, I believe it's right just to bring some, some word uh, this morning and, I, and we respond to that, but really to pick up from what God's been doing over these last few weeks in, in all of our lives. And, and last week it was like, what do we call it? Because it was, it was about the race that God has marked out for us to run. And and part of that, what does that mean? What does that look like? And Paul the Apostle very much talking about throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race that is marked out for us. We don't run a race aimlessly like people go after things in this world to try and kind of fulfill their lives in different ways. No, we're, we're running a race that is is an eternal race that has significance now in us and for other people. And so your life really matters while you're on earth. Your life matters right now in terms of what God is doing in you and what God's doing amongst us. And last week's message was, was very much uh, towards each one of us as individuals and what God's doing in us and how we respond and how we live a revival life, a life that is marked out, a life that is set apart, a life that is clean, a life living short accounts with God, where we don't allow sin to stack up, but we're making sure we are we are living in the way that God wants to, a desire and a hunger rising up in us. And we're going to pick up on that this morning, but really look at what does it mean to for, for us to live that together, the race that God has marked out for us to, to run and to live uh, together. So We're going to look at quite a few scriptures and and some of what we're going to look at this morning you might think well doesn't that just normally relate to prayer and agreement in prayer Uh, but there's there's something that's a lot more powerful and, and more essential than just standing next to somebody and saying would you pray with me and agree with me about this There's something a lot more powerful than that in relation to this that we're going to look at because we want to look at what does it mean to live in the power of agreement in terms of who we are as believers together to see God's purposes outworked in us and through us in our own personal circumstances and around our lives but also for other people's lives. So, so important because God calls us to be a body of people. We are individual believers with a relationship with God. But much of what the the Apostle Paul speaks about in all the epistles through a lot of the epistles in the New Testament, it's about how we then live together as believers in the culture, in the society. How do we bring Christ into that? How do we live a Christ-centered life together that then impacts and influences everything that is is, uh, around us. Now, over this lockdown time, we've all had a little bit, I know we've come out of the lockdown in that sense, but we're still living under some restrictions and things are different. And uh, how long they're gonna go on for like this, who knows? There are some new normals in the way everybody's thinking out there and the way things are happening. And, And on one level, we've had a little bit of a taste, as we've said before, of of having some pressure or restrictions on our lives that in this country we're not really used to. We're used to just going about our business, our daily lives and and however we want to worship and everything else. And and we've had the freedom to kind of just live in one sense, however we want to in in this nation. And over the last five, six months, there's been some restrictions, some limitations. And from a Christian point of view, uh, in one sense, we've had a little bit of a taster of what's it like to live in a nation where there isn't the freedom for Christians to express their Christianity, where they have to go, in quotes, underground uh, because it's illegal. To be a Christian, or you're going to be put in prison if you say that you know Jesus. And and we've we we, it's not got that far in this nation, uh, you know, on on one level. But we've had a taster of what you know, stay at home. uh, You can't meet on Sundays. You can't express this this gathering in the same way as you normally do. And, and and that has caused a little bit of angst for some of us, a little bit of pressure at different times. And 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 uh, sometimes we felt a bit isolated, a bit on our own in that sense. And it, it's caused some pressure and maybe for some a little bit of oppression uh, to try and squash us and squeeze us in our lives. But we know that a lot of stuff has lifted in the sense of we we can meet with others in our gardens, in our homes. We can meet, say, here in the building uh, and, and various things in terms of during the week in, in smaller numbers. And we, we can connect. Connect with us, we can be with others. There, there's things that we can do the that, that, that fellowship with one another, encourage each other, all of that. So the enemy would want to still think, oh, you're limited, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. the only thing we can't really do is gather on a Sunday at this moment. but everything else, is up for grabs. Everything else we can move out there in in, in whatever way uh, we need to, to share our faith, to meet up with others, to pray together, to believe together. And we're going to look at some things here because God does not want us to live a limited life. Where the limits first begin are up there. Uh, But God doesn't want us to live with limits. He wants us to understand that we have an unlimited life in Him. And no matter what restrictions there might be around us, God always has a way to release and to do what He wants to do, even though in the natural there might be limitations and restrictions, in the kingdom there aren't any. And He can still work and move in us and through us, no matter what is going on around us. And so I want to look at quite a few scriptures. And we're going to look at the power of agreement. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to look at some verses from 13 to 19. And I just want to give you the context, first of all, in verse 19, uh, 13, where it says that Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Well, Caesarea Philippi at the time, it's about forty kilometers or so north of Galilee, uh, north of uh, Capernaum, the north part of the the, the Sea of Galilee. And it's in the northern part obviously therefore of Israel. And Caesarea Philippi at the time of Jesus was uh, a place where uh, when you go there, some of you might have been there. When you when you go there, it's like there's a huge area and there's a massive kind of rock face. And in that rock face, there's different openings or, or small caves uh, in there. And and at the time, different idols and gods that were worshipped, they had altars uh, uh, in different uh, ones of those caves. And people came and sacrificed all sorts of different things, uh, uh, whether it's stuff, whether it was animals, or whether it was even. Uh, uh, People, all kinds of things took took place there. And in that place where people were worshipping all sorts of other things, Jesus asked the question to his disciples in the context of all these other gods being worshipped, these idols, who do you say I am? And their answer to that, we know, uh, was Peter's answer was you are the Messiah The son of, well, their first one was, some say you're Elisha, some say you're um, John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah, all that. But then he said, who do you say that I am? And they said, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the son of God. And what was Jesus' reply to that? It was, it was blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by the flesh or in the natural, but by my father in heaven. So Peter had a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, you're the Christ. Then what did Jesus say? Because these are the things that we want to get hold of this morning and look at some other scriptures that are going to be so, so relevant for us. He says, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, on this revelation that I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell, Hades will not overcome it. The word church there is ecclesia. It does mean a people called out and set apart. On this rock, I'm going to build my set apart, called out people, but also there's a, there's a wider, stronger meaning than just being set apart. It means those who are going to govern, those who are going to rule and reign spiritually, those who are going to, in the spirit, they're going to pray, they're going to decree, they're going to... Uh, determine some things spiritually. He says on this rock, on this revelation that I'm the Christ, I'm going to build my Ecclesia, my called out, set apart, overcoming, dominion minded living people and the gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. One of the caves in, in Caesarea Philippi was called Hades, the gate of hell or the gate of Hades. And, uh, and so in that context, he said, and, and not even the gates of hell are going to overcome this people who live on the rock, on the revelation of who I am. Then what does he say in verse 19? I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven when you read that what what in in the original uh, language the greek that was written there it says what you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven and what you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven we can't loose on earth we can't bind or loose on earth what is not bound or loosed in heaven we can't we can't tell heaven here what to do before it's happened in heaven. So what Jesus is saying is all this stuff has already been bound and loosed. It has been taken care of in heaven. So because of that, Now on earth, my ecclesia, my people can take authority, take dominion over some things and see released on earth what has already been released in heaven. That's amazing. That is brilliant. So what a great start to, to this word this morning so far, knowing that if we line up with heaven, if we line up with God's word, God's will, his mind, what he's thinking, what he wants to do, we know that he has... Already set it in place. He has already set it in place. Therefore, what we are doing is we're taking hold of what He has done and we're speaking and praying and living that into being on earth, okay? So where do we go from here? 2 Corinthians 10 verses three to five. What does it say there? Verse three, For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. So we're not trying to wage war in our own effort, no, or in the way that the world does. How do we know this? Because in verse four, it says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. In this world, people are fighting against one another for whatever reasons. But we're not fighting against people. As believers, we are connected, we are in the Kingdom of God. We are connected in to the the life of the Spirit and we know that the, the, the Holy Spirit is at work, but we also know there's demonic stuff at work. And the life that we have on the inside of us is more powerful than the negative demonic life that can be going on around us. How do we know this? Because it says here, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Come on. So you're a person of faith this morning. If you know Jesus today, you are a person of faith. What we're speaking about right now is who you are on the inside of you. The weapons that you have been given in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, is a divine power. So you and I, we have the divine power of who God is on the inside to demolish strongholds. Demolish means to completely ruin, to smash to pieces. That's what the word "demolish" means. It means that whatever's been demolished is unrecognizable afterwards. Come on, that's who we are. That's the kind of faith that we have. Then it says in verse 5, In in this divine power that we've been given, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we're in this spiritual war, this spiritual battle. We're we're running this race that's been marked out for us as individuals, but also together, which this is building up to, okay? Uh, In a few moments, this will make sense in terms of what we're speaking about together this morning. But but what it says here, we demolish every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the, the knowledge of God. So we take captive every thought ourselves, first of all. Because if we don't take captive our own thoughts and what's going on up here, we won't be able to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, in this divine power that God has given us in terms of the weapons that we fight with to demolish strongholds. Because if we don't believe in here and here, mind, heart, heart, mind together, if we're thinking something else, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what God wants to do. It's very difficult to be confident then to know that what you're going to pray and what you're going to say and how, you, how you're living is going to make a difference, is going to change anything. So we have this divine power. We take every thought captive. We sur- surrender, submit our thoughts to his So that what we're thinking and what we're believing is what he is thinking and what he is believing, what he is saying. Okay. now let's just keep going for a minute. 1 John 5, 14 to 15. It then says here, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. So this is our confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So if you want to be confident in prayer, firstly, what we want to do is we want to take every thought captive. Because sometimes if our thoughts, well, all the time, when our thoughts aren't in line with Him, those thoughts will rob us of faith. They will rob us of confidence. They will rob us of trying to actually see the answer we want to see. Okay, so we take our thoughts captive. We bring them under submission. We say, Father, I give you this negative. I give you this unbelief. I give you the thoughts right now where I can't see a way through. I don't know how you're going to do it. I submit all those thoughts to you. And Father, I thank you that whatever situation you're in. I thank you that your word says this about the situation I'm in. So I choose to exalt your word right now over what I have been thinking. And I place your word as Lord over my life or Lord over the situation. Okay. Okay. And that's what I'm going to begin to speak. That's what I'm going to begin to declare. And that's what I'm going to begin to pray. Because you say the confidence I have in approaching you is to ask anything according to your will. And if you and, and because of that, you hear me, you hear us. Notice the plural here. And if we know that he hears us, that whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. It's interesting that. John here is writing in the plural. He's not just writing this as a singular thing to you as an individual or me as an individual. It's true for us as individuals, absolutely. But the context here is plural. So, what does it mean to be in agreement with one another? What does it mean to live a life of agreement? The early church we read in Acts 2, 3 and 4 and so on, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, there was a, a, a spirit of agreement. There was a power of agreement. There was a life of agreement that they were in that was, that was part of releasing the purposes of God in those situations. And this is so, so important, this this agreement in our lives, okay? So what is agreement? True agreement is lifestyle, not just words. It's more than mental acknowledgement. So to live in agreement with somebody else is is more than just, hey, would you agree with me? Because I want to see a breakthrough in this situation. It's more than just mental acknowledgement, okay? Living in agreement or, or agreement itself is, is something of the Spirit that takes place in us, amongst us, between us and the Holy Spirit gives revelation. He speaks like he did to, to, uh, to Peter when Jesus said, so who do you say I am? And he said, you're the Christ. That was, that came by revelation. When there's revelation and, and that light comes on that's when that connects us in agreement with who God is, because suddenly we see things in the way that God does. We're not seeing things through a cloud. We're not seeing things through our own eyes. We're not seeing things through circumstances any longer. When there's revelation of what God is saying in that moment, we suddenly see things in the way that God sees things and suddenly things change. Things then kind of filter down into, into alignment in our lives because suddenly, right, now what God is saying is here and the circumstances are here instead of the other way round. Okay, so we want to be in spiritual agreement, first to be God, but also then with one another. What does the word agree or agreement actually mean? It means to be in harmony, to be in symphony, you know, when you have an orchestra, Playing like the guys playing this morning it wasn't an orchestra in that sense, but it was it was a, a group of people, a band of people playing. They were in symphony together. When you have an orchestra playing, there's a harmony, a symphony. Everybody's listening to what's going on. They're playing whatever they're playing right at the right moment. They're contributing. They're bringing in what their what their responsible for carrying at that moment but they bring it in with everybody else and then there's a harmony, a symphony, there's a sound of agreement, there's a sound that when people listen to it they're like wow that is amazing, that is beautiful, that is whatever goes on at that moment and that's what the word agreement is. So God has called us to be a people of harmony, a people of symphony in that sense. Now we're going to read through some things in Matthew chapter 18 and we're going to, we haven't got time to go through it in depth but we're going to skip through a few different verses and we're going to end in a place that many of us would know about in terms of verses 18 and 19. We're not going to read those yet. Uh, when we come to those verses, it talks about binding and loosing in verse 18. And then verse 19, it talks about the, the prayer of agreement, about agreeing with one another. And often what we've done as Christians and as in our teaching in prayer, we've separated out binding and loosing here. And then we've, we've, we've also then put about the prayer of agreement over here. Whereas actually it's all together. You can't separate binding and loosing and the prayer of agreement. They all happen in, in the same context. But the context it happens is really, really important. OK, so let's have a look at Matthew 18. The first five verses, uh, let's, let's read what Jesus is speaking about here. At the time the disciples came to him and they said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Verse two, he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change, you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child in my name welcomes me. So what does it mean? Does it mean we've got to be immature and, and, and just be childish? In a, no, that's not what Jesus is saying. He said, you've got to become like, little children in that attitude where what he's saying is there was a humility in those children coming to Jesus where the children weren't saying, I know everything, I know that, I know the other, I know this. They came humbly. And what Jesus is saying is whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom. What does it mean to humble yourself? Well, we've we've just read that we take every thought captive and bring it under the Lordship of Christ. What is that? That's humbling our thoughts, our opinions, whatever we think. That's to bring something under something else, is to humble at that to something that has a superior understanding Or knowledge or wisdom and so what Jesus is saying here is is to humble yourself, to bring yourself under, to to humble your own opinions, to humble your heart, to humble your life, this is where he's starting so this lifestyle of agreement, this power of agreement that we're going to unpack in the next few minutes starts with a humility, okay, a humility of heart Where does it go next in Matthew 18, verses 6 through 9? Jesus says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow. You know, I think sometimes, you know, when we read the word, we sometimes skip over some of what Jesus says. I mean, listen to what he's saying there. He's saying, if you cause one of these little ones to sin, it's better, better, it'd be better for them to have a large millstone around their neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. Wow, that's pretty strong language coming from, from Jesus. Then what does he say? Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through who they come. If your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for for you to enter life, that's eternal life, maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the fire of hell. Well, that's, that's, that doesn't sound like um, uh, politically, politically correct kind of language that Jesus is coming out with. He's been pretty clear. What's he actually saying there? He's talking about a holy life. He's saying deal with sin severely. That's basically what he's saying. He's saying don't mess with sin. Don't play with sin. Don't kind of, you know, eat what he's saying, it better to he's using an analogy here hey rather than going to hell rather than the fiery uh, consequences thrown into this eternal fire hey deal with sin deal with it deal with it deal with it because if you don't it will kill you it will have you now that that's a strong thing to say in terms of what jesus was saying and and people don't like that kind of language these days because, well, hang on a minute, you know, Jesus, meek and mild and merciful and gracious. Yes, absolutely. But yet he is also holy. But in his holiness, he didn't repel people. In his holiness, he drew people. There was something about him because in his holiness, the love that he expressed, there was a purity to it. The mercy that he showed, there was a purity to it. But when he did need to speak like this, because it came with love, there was something strong and powerful, but yet convicting. And so there's this, the beginning of this chapter, there's a humility, humble heart. But also, there's a holiness in our lives. This is so, so important as we're going to get to in terms of the power of agreement. Because I think one of the things we've done in terms of this power of agreement is we've We've, we've undermined it sometimes because we just say, hey, would you agree with me? Just give us a quick prayer, would you agree with me for this? And, and what Jesus is talking about through this chapter is something far more powerful than just a moment of saying, would you agree with me? Because you don't know whether somebody really agrees with you in that moment, but often the people that you're going to ask to agree with you are the ones that you are in relationship with, that you are walking with. Or you're going to ask somebody who's in agreement with you who knows, yep, they're a person of faith. Yes, I know they're going to believe. So I want to connect with somebody who's going to believe with me for an outcome. Why? Because they're living a life of faith. They're living something that shows somebody there's an agreement with God in that person's life. So that's the kind of person I want to agree with and walk with to see God's answer in my life or to see a release in a situation. Situation. so deal with sin severely let's not play with it let's see how far away we can stay from sin and how close we can walk with Jesus then next part we need to move on Matthew 18 verses 12 to 17 Jesus said um, so what do you think he gives a parable now and, and he says if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, he w- will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go and look for the one that wandered off? And when he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep than the ninety-nine that wandered off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. What is he saying? It shows the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father for the one. It shows the heart of the Father for those that don't know Jesus. People or wander off. That shows his heart. But then what does it say? This moves then into the next part of the chapter. Remember, there aren't breaks in like different headings when Jesus was speaking. He was just teaching. So this is all connected. Then where does he go in terms of what he's saying in relationship with, with how you treat the individual? Okay, he then says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Really important. Okay. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, what's Jesus getting at here? He's saying, hey, guys, deal with sin severely. He starts off with make sure you have a a humble heart, a humility about you. Make sure you're living clean in your own life. Make sure there's nothing in your life that causes somebody else to stumble but if there is a context where there's sin or there's something going on, go and have a chat with your mate, go and have a chat with that person and say, hey mate, what's going on in your life? I want to get alongside you. Do you know, you need to get that right. But if you're doing it with a humble, holy, right heart attitude in that sense, uh, we, we want to be sharpening one another in that way. We want our lives to be open. We don't want to live with blind spots or blinkers that say nobody else can speak into my life in any way on my own oracle doing my own thing. No, we've got to be open for others to speak into our lives and and to challenge us as well, that's discipleship. That's two people walking together in Christ together because sometimes we don't see maybe some of what's going on in us at times because our heart is the most deceitful thing above everything else. And sometimes people can see things in us, but we want to be open for somebody to, to challenge us in that way. But in this context, why is Jesus saying this? Because he's saying if you allow stuff to go on and you allow it to affect relationships, if you allow it to bring division, it's going to cause lots of trouble. So I want you to walk together in humility. I want you to walk together in holiness. I want you to walk together in righteousness. I want you to walk together in right relationship. Then what does he say? In that context, he then says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus is speaking about binding and loosing in that verse. And then what follows in a moment, in the context of walking together in the spirit, walking together as believers. Now, one of the things I believe God's been doing, especially while we haven't been able to meet on Sunday, is how we are living from Monday to Saturday because God wants us to be living a life Monday to Saturday that is not dependent on a Sunday where we are in relationship with one another throughout the week. And what what we're going to do, we're going to encourage people, connect up with at least another person or a couple of people begin to form some partnerships, prayer partnerships, some faith partnerships going forward, okay? And, and some of that's going to happen in the context of your small group. Uh, and that's why small groups are so, so important because small groups are a context in which we live out what we're talking about this morning, humbling ourselves, living in holiness, sharpening one another, speaking into each other's lives. If we need to, challenging one another so that iron sharpens iron. And it's in that context of agreement, it's in that context of relationship that Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. The word bind there means to tie up, prevent and to stop because it has already been tied up, prevented in heaven. And then it says, whatever you loose on earth. Now the word loose there, we need to really understand what that word loose means there. The word loose there that Jesus, it means to break up and destroy, to shatter. It means to melt, it means to put off. The word loose there doesn't doesn't mean to release the Holy Spirit. Lots of people say we loose the Holy Spirit. We don't re- loose the Holy Spirit. The word loose there means to break up and destroy. So Jesus is speaking about binding and loosing in the context of overcoming the, the enemy, overcoming the negativity, overcoming sickness, overcoming opposition, overcoming all the rubbish that wants to push us back. That's what Jesus, so you bind it first of all, you prevent it and stop it from having any more effect on your life and then you lose it, you break it off your life. You take authority it, say, no, I'm not having that any longer. But Jesus is speaking about this, doing this in a, with people that you're in agreement with in your life. And so Jesus is speaking about the body, a kingdom people, because he was always teaching about the kingdom. But he says here in the context of people get, having right relationships, he talks about the church here. Jesus doesn't use the word church often. I think it's only twice in the New Testament. He uses the word church or three times uh, himself. And this is one of them. Okay, the power of agreement. But then what does he do in Matthew 12? He says, how can you enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless you first tie up the strong man? Then you can plunder his, his house. So what are we doing first? We're binding the strong man. We're in agreement with others. Why is this so important? Because in the days ahead, Christianity cannot be based on or dependent on Sunday gatherings. Yes, sometime soon we'll be. We're trying to look. You know, even now we're having conversations. You know, if we, when could we start to gather again on Sunday? When could we meet? What would that look like? How do we do that in a way that's worth doing? Is going to work? But there's other contexts you can meet up still at the moment. You can meet in the building up to thirty people here at Roffey Place. Uh, you, you can gather in your gardens up to six people. you can meet together, you can believe together. you can meet up two or threes agree together this is this is I believe God wants to release the Christian life and Christianity and his kingdom in a greater way through our lives, Monday to Saturday, than us just thinking, when are we going to get Sunday back? Okay, Sunday's going to be awesome when we do meet back. But Sunday's awesome now because we are having Sunday together, even though we're in our own homes. Then we've got to bring this to a close. Matthew 18 verse 19, what does it say here? Jesus speaking in the context of everything we've been saying. Again, I truly tell you that if two of you on earth agree, Now that word agree, as we've just heard, is not just turning to your mate and saying, would you agree with me out of nowhere or somebody else you just come across. No, he's talking about in the context of people walking together, living together in faith, in agreement, in holiness, in humility, one with another, speaking into each other's lives. That's the context. And he says, where two on earth agree in that way and that about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Wow. We want prayers answered. We want outcomes. Jesus is describing what it looks like in the context of relationships, small groups, small clusters, two or three people. I want to encourage you, if you're you're not doing this already, is to get with another believer, a friend of yours. If you're married, it could be your husband or your wife. I mean, hopefully if you're married, you're in agreement anyway and you're praying together in that way. But you could also, you know, there might be others. Maybe if you live on your own. Get into agreement if you're not already with somebody else in your small group or a good friend of yours. You can meet up in your gardens, you can meet up in your homes if there's just a couple of you. You can meet in a coffee shop, you can meet in the park, you can meet with other believers. But let's live like this in agreement with one another. If there's any outstanding issues with somebody else, get them sorted get them sorted, why? It's so important in these days that we're living in agreement together because there's stuff that God wants to do and release. When we live in agreement, there's, the promises here in God's word is y- if you, you then a- agree about anything, it's going to be done by my Father in heaven. So your life matters, my life matters, our lives matter together, so, so important. So at this time, don't be distracted by the stuff of life. Don't be distracted by all the stuff going on in the news, this out and the other. Keep your head up. Don't just get your head down. Keep your head up and look at who he is, worship him, listen to what he's saying. If you're struggling that way, get with somebody else and say, Hey, can you just pray with me? Can you just help me? I I just feel I'm challenged at the moment, I'm struggling. Just be honest and open. Don't walk through stuff on your own. That's why we're a body. That's why we're together. That's why we have small groups so we can walk together, be in relationship and, and, and encourage each other. Don't let the enemy take you out at this time. Stand in who you are. Get others to stand with you. Whatever you're doing in your room right now, just close your eyes. Father, I thank you that we're not victims, we're victors. Just thank him, verbalise this yourself. Just thank him that your life matters. Don't listen to that lie of the enemy that says you're insignificant, you don't matter. You're this, that or the other. At this moment, say, shut up. I'm not listening to that any longer. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir with Christ. This is who I am. That's who I am. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Maybe there's somebody God's putting on your heart this morning. Hey, I want to connect with that person and begin to meet and agree. Just spend time with them. Maybe there's somebody that you look up to a little bit or you're like, I'd love to have a chat with them. I'd love to find out more because they seem to be living a life that I look at and say, that's a godly life. Just call them, get hold of them. If you don't know the number, ask somebody, do you know so-and-so's number? I'd love to get hold of them. I just want to chat with them. Let's get hold of one another in the body. Let's grab one another in that sense, relationally, in the body. Don't be afraid. Give somebody a call. Say, hey, would you help me? Or I'd love to have a chat with you. Or I've seen the way you live. How do you live like that? How do you, you know, and learn from one another. Come on, let's be active in our faith. Let's not be shy. Let's not be timid in that way. Hopefully we can do this together. Me, on behalf of everybody, We're all giving each other permission to contact each other, to encourage each other, to motivate one another, to inspire one another, to walk with one another in that way. Why is that so important? Because God has called us to be life to the world. He's called us to be living water to those that are dry and parched and live in a weary land in their lives. So Father, I thank you right now for a fresh release of your spirit in every home, every life, every individual, every household, every family, all the relationships you have in every small group. Father, I thank you for a fresh release. This autumn, small groups are going to be so, so important. So, so important connecting to a small group. We're doing a bit of a revamp in different ways. We're going to have more small groups starting in the next few weeks. There's, and, and we want we want to just, just connect. Just relationally get connected into the body. Don't, Don't allow yourself to be isolated. We're not called to walk this Christian life on our own. We all have a relationship with God, but we work that out together in relationship with one another. That's called the church. So Father, I thank you for your grace. Father, I just pray for anybody who's part of the meeting this morning that doesn't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. Father, I just pray right now, you would meet with them. You would reveal who you are into their lives. We thank you, Jesus. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you can simply make an initial response to him by just surrendering, humbling yourself, as we've said this morning. So you're instead of saying, no, I'm in charge of my life and God's here, maybe you need to switch that and say, no, I want Jesus to be Lord. I want him to be in charge of my life. and I want to humble myself and surrender to him. And if that's something you want to do this morning, literally you can just say, God, I just humble myself before you. I want to, I want to change places with you. Instead of me being in charge, I want you to be in charge. I want you to be Lord. So I humble myself. And I want to surrender everything to you. Forgive me for every sin that has separated me from you. I thank you for your forgiveness right now. And Jesus, I surrender my life. I ask you to come into my life and I give my life to you. I thank you, Jesus, for your Lordship. If that's what's on your heart, you might be praying that in some way or other this morning, please just send us an email, info at and say, hey, my name's so-and-so, I listened to that guy on Sunday morning and I want to give my life to Jesus and we'll get a hold of you and we'll reply to you, respond to you, somebody will pray with you and maybe even meet up with you, depending on where you are and, and, and if we can do that, brilliant. But we want to help you take these steps into a relationship with Jesus. And everybody, wherever we are now, you have the same power in you that Jesus had. If people need healing around your life, doesn't necessarily mean right in this moment because there might not be anybody with you or there might not be anybody in the room with you that needs healing, but around your life, you have the power in you to see them healed. Agreement together to see one another whole and healthy to see breakthroughs in situations. So let's be that people of agreement that God has called us to be. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.